If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, fangirls and fan guys. Thank you for tuning in. If you are enjoying our podcast, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so more people can hear our episodes. Hello and welcome to the Fangirls Podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julie. And we are so excited to dish and spill the tea with you today. Can you guys guess what we're talking about today? Cruella. Ruella. This was such a fun movie. Super fun movie. I mean, I was going to say this movie is, was just so incredibly underrated. Absolutely. Across the board. I I mean, I remember reading and hearing like great reviews about it just in general. Mm-hmm. The marketing wasn't there for me. I saw maybe a handful of Facebook ads and Instagram ads Nothing really told me what it was about other than an origin story on Cruella. And I was like, she's a villain. What else could I or do I need to know about this? And yeah, there was just like no teaser trailers, nothing. Had it not been for my sister saying like, hey, you're coming up this weekend. Do you want to watch Cruella with me like over the fourth? And I was like, ah, sure. Why not? We did. It was phenomenal. There were yeah. so many plot twists. Like there was no way you could ever guess what was coming next. Yeah, I didn't see one trailer. Not one trailer was shown to me on any social media or anything. And I mean, there was banners on Disney Plus, but if you hadn't said, go watch this now, I would have probably just not watched it because you're like you're saying, I had no concept of what maybe the plot was would be about. Like, yeah, an origin story, but why do I why would I care about that? She's a villain. You know, there was nothing. So yeah, I feel like it was, you know, the marketing, they dropped the ball a little bit on that, but the movie was incredible, which it's funny that they wouldn't, you know, do more. Play devil's advocate. Nope. No pun intended. (laughs) Devil's Um, advocate. (laughs) Right. I don't know how you would market this correctly without giving the story away because there were so many plot twists and I just don't even know how you would go about marketing this to entice people. I mean, maybe little snippets of like Horace and Jasper and her pulling a con or like her driving crazy or something like that. Starting with casting, we have the lovely Emma Stone as Cruella, followed by Emma Thompson, who's the Baroness, Kirby Howell Baptiste as Anita Darling. And I do have to say, I love Kirby Howell Baptiste in everything that she does. She typically steals the show in everything. And she played a really good Anita Darling, who's very subtle and demure. I mean, I loved her in the story. 
I recognized her from the good place and she was also in the fourth season of Veronica Mars. And she's going to be in a new movie with Kristen Bell called queen pins. So her and KB seem to be movie besties with all the projects they've done together. Yeah. I loved her in Veronica Mars. Absolutely. Like the fourth season was absolutely phenomenal. Like I, you need to watch Veronica Mars. Okay. Side note. I'm but putting it in my queue. Do it. Do it. Just binge watch the whole season. You'll get early 2000s nostalgia and then <laughs> you won't get closure at the end of season four, but it's okay. But Kirby Howell Baptiste nailed it. Yeah. She's, she's like spunky and like smart. She's not going to take anybody's shit. She doesn't, especially in Veronica Mars. <laughs> Love it. Then we have Mark Strong, who plays John the Valet, John McRae, who plays Artie. Loved his character. I did too. And particularly with Artie's character, like I thought this was a step in the right direction for Disney, acknowledging the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah. I mean, I know that there's been rumors of Disney acknowledging animated characters of this community, but this was the first time that we saw it in a live action anything. And it's, it just needs to be done because if you don't put the, put like the LGBTQA plus community into movies, you're like pretending that they aren't there. And that's unrealistic. With the time frame that this story takes place, his character was subtle yet, I would say almost essential because he, he had some really strong David Bowie vibes too. Yes. Mm-hmm. I feel like he was showing up very authentically and, you know, it wasn't like watered down to like make. No, it wasn't. Not at all. Who might have a problem with that. Yeah. It was a very natural setting. Um, okay. So we also have Paul Walter Hauser who played Horace. And then we have Joel Fry who played Jasper and he was so familiar to me and I was trying to figure out why. And it was because he was in game of Thrones and he was the slave trader that Daenerys was supposed to marry until he got stabbed at that feast. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was like his face. I was like, I know I've seen his face. Who was this person? I had to Google it. And sure enough, I mean, obviously his costume was way different in Game of <laughs> right. Thrones. So I was surprised that like, you know, for such a short part in Game of Thrones that I recognized him because, you know, my mom brain is terrible. But overall, I think the casting was amazing. Like Mark Strong, he kind of like is typecast as a baddie. And so you kind of expect him to be, you know, maybe a little bit evil, but we'll get into that in the tea with the plot twist there. Yeah, this was kind of like the battle of the Emmas, Emma Stone and Emma Thompson. It really was. And you never think of anyone who could outdo Cruella. And then you see someone in her origin story that- Yeah, before she's like this boss hog gangster. Right, and like the whole time I'm thinking, oh, this is the person that inspired Cruella to be Cruella. Yeah. Like to be the villain that she was in 101 Dalmatians. Again, a whole bunch of plot twists. I was wondering, I was like, maybe she's just like mimicking or emulating someone that she admires. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is where she found her person to emulate, mm-hmm. to become Cruella. 
So here's the part of the show where we spill the tea. That means we are talking spoilers, people, and we are talking plot lines. We are talking about every single thing that has happened in this movie. So if you have not seen this movie, you need to do yourself a favor and watch it immediately and then listen to the tea. Okay. Emma Stone in this movie, she repeatedly took my breath away. Like every moment, every close up, her movements, it was, it was all Cruella. And even though, you know, she was without the the infamous cigarette holder because, you know, Disney's had the smoking ban in its films since 2007. And she even admitted in an interview for the New York times that it was difficult not to have it. And she said, I was so excited to have that green plume of smoke in there, but it was not possible. You know, and I can appreciate the smoking ban because as a kid, I remember taking a piece of licorice and pretending that I was Corella DeVille and acting as if I was smoking. Cause when you see something like that on TV, it makes it cool. And smoking is definitely not cool <laughs> and it not shouldn't be seen that way, but you know, she just embodied her. Like you see Corella with this, as this little girl and half her hair is black and half of it's white. And she's just born like that. And she's, you know, taken down her bullies in the schoolyard and she's just feisty. You see that it started from day one. It really did it to know it stems from early. That behavior comes from her early childhood. So Cruella's origin story takes place in the 1970s and Cruella's real name is Estella and her mom gives her the nickname Cruella when she acts out. The name Cruella DeVille is not her actual birth name. It's just something that she trademarked because of a behavioral pattern that to me, I don't know anyone else who can pull that off. Like think of Cher or Lady Gaga. Like you have all these stage names. Yeah. But not personality traits. True. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it was just fascinating. I was just like, oh, well now we know what her, like, and no one ever calls her Estella in 101 Dalmatians because they don't know her prior. Yeah. I mean, I don't really believe that this is like true origin story. It seemed more to me like a retelling similar to Maleficent. Yes. Um, you know, cause Disney, they definitely had their work cut out for them to humanize um, one of their most notorious villains. Like she's unbearably rude, like a half crazed puppy killer, not to mention reckless driver and thief. And they turned her into an orphaned genius fashion designer and they did it well. Like, they, oh, we're on her side, you know? Exactly. They nailed it. And, oh. you know, there was parts where, okay, so she, her mom ends up dying and then she's on the streets as an orphan and she meets Jasper and Horace and they're all little kids, maybe like 10. And so they start to like pull these cons and like thieving to just survive. Right. And they become a family. All of these, these three orphans are a family, you know, as she gets older and she's kind of stepping more into like villainous ways and she's becoming more and more rude. Jasper is really the only one who calls her out. And we're asking the same questions in the movie too. Like you're being a jerk. Why are you treating this like that? And she becomes like unapologetic and you're almost like just waiting for her to apologize to him. He finally does get an apology at the end. You know, I think they did enough work in the story that she was definitely humanized. We empathized with her. I love seeing her as a flawed human, not Mm -hmm. just as a villain. You know, she was a complicated woman. It's good to see that type of character on screen 
women can be complicated. We can be all kinds of things. We can be genius. We can have a short temper. We can be impulsive, but we can also be fiercely loyal and protective of the ones we love like she was. Yes. And it wasn't just the human flawed aspect of it. I loved seeing her being this goal oriented, crazy about fashion. Yes. Individual seeing a strong goal oriented female villain. You're right. It's not an origin story, but seeing her backstory of wanting to accomplish so much, you never think about that in a villain role. When you see the Cruella that we grew up with, you never think about her childhood. This movie in general just like nailed it. Yeah. And also making Anita Darling one of Cruella's true friends and allies from childhood. And I remember watching it thinking, okay, how are they going to fit this in for a sequel? Would Cruella really steal puppies from her friend or did the puppy stealing already happen because she stole the Baroness's dogs? And there certainly wasn't 101 of them. So that's another reason why it makes me think, okay, this is just a retelling. Because like, do you think we're going to get 101 Dalmatians after this? Like live action or that's just something that they did with Glenn Close and they're not doing that again? I don't know how you would top what Glenn Close produced. I I have no idea how you could go about that. In Maleficent, again, they turned a terrifying sorceress hell-bent on killing an innocent child into a protective surrogate mother. And then they're turning Cruella into like an animal lover. They're making them the opposite of what everyone has known them as, as long as they've lived. It's interesting that they're doing that. I wonder why. I wonder if it's because... Um, Descendants, you know, the movie with like the kids of all the villains that oh, was yeah. so popular that, you know, um, it's cool to be bad, but they weren't really that bad. They were kind of sissy, but um, and now they're like retelling these villainous stories. And perhaps it's just because Corella DeVille's son is in Descendants and, you know, Maleficent's daughter was in Descendants. So I'm like, are they, is there just because there's so much interest in these you know, um, these villain movies that they're doing these live action retellings. Like I'm, I'm very curious. That's not a bad pattern to look into. That's actually, that's interesting. I also want to say like, at least we know now where her deep rooted hatred for Dalmatians comes from. Yeah. That. Yeah. Because, okay. So what happened in the film is that she sees her mom talking to this woman um, by a cliff they're at like this mansion there's like a party happening her mom's talking to this woman on a cliff and all of a sudden these dalmatians start running towards her mom three dalmatians and knock her over the cliff so the whole movie corella she thinks it was her fault because the dogs were chasing her and then she like kind of fell over and got out of the way and then they knocked her mom down what she didn't know was that the baroness had blown a whistle and so it was the baroness's fault and in the whole movie, before she knew that it was the Baroness's fault, she had blamed herself. So I'm like, I don't even know if there was like a, a, a hatred for the dogs, maybe a strong dislike. And or a trauma for sure. A trauma. Yeah. But I don't even know if she necessarily hated them because she didn't mistreat them because she had Horace and Jasper steal them because they swallowed her mom's necklace and she was waiting for the dogs to, you know just let that exit from their bodies. And so she, they kidnapped them so she could get the necklace back. But even then she didn't treat them badly. I don't know if how they could do 101 Dalmatians after that. 
Me either. One thing I did enjoy seeing though, is that psychotic shift in Cruella. Yes. So breakdown. Yes. That Estella turning into Cruella moment that really defined who Cruella is. And when she came to terms with who she is, I'm not saying all humanity was lost, but she recognized good and bad and chose bad. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Chose vengeful, chose, chose everything that Cruella stood for. You know, she was determined to beat the Baroness at her own game, Mm -hmm. you know, and she wasn't, you know, she was a designer at the fashion house that the Baroness was as like her name was all over everything. And so she's not, you know, Cruella's not getting credit for anything. And she's making these amazing designs. And finally she's like, I'm just going to beat her on her own game. And I loved, I loved that part of the movie where she would show up at these fashion shows or these events and just steal center stage from the Baroness and show up in these like just outrageous high fashion outfits and just really made a name for herself. She did as like this, you know, sort of phantom designer and she, you know, really put the Baroness out of business. I enjoyed seeing her create all these dresses Mm -hmm. and then watch her watch the Baroness see them destroyed. Oh yeah. That Um, was fantastic. I was just like, how can you put that much hard work into something and just be okay with it being destroyed? But it's yeah. seeing the effect of what it did to the Baroness in the long run is what she was living for. That was yeah. what she was building up to. The symbolism with color in this film was so strong, like good and bad is not always so black and white. And in this case for Corella, it was a little red for revenge. And then the green dress that Estella designed and covered it with moth chrysalides. That was a strong symbol for envy. They hatched off the dress and they ate all the dresses. And then there's that moment you were talking about where she's just all of the work is destroyed. Like, yeah, very satisfying moment for Corella in that in that scene. That was that was a pretty epic scene for sure. And the fashion was really its own character. The fashion and the music were very subtle characters in this movie. Yeah. I mean, I just it was me, my sister and her sister-in-law. And we were just like, oh, yeah, that is a good time. Oh, God, this is good theming. Like, mm-hmm. Disney did it again. All right. The fashion was like raw and rough around the edges, but also very detailed and purposeful, just like everything that Corella did in the movie, how she acted. You know, she was raw and rough around the edges, but calculated and everything was on purpose. And it's so were the designs. Nothing was, you know, just thrown together. You know, a lot of thought went into it. I mean, even when she did that window in the department store, and that's how she got the job at the Baroness's Mm -hmm. fashion house. She didn't just throw it together. She had been thinking about that and dreaming about it. And finally, you know, after drinking a bottle of whatever it was, she got up the courage and just was like, screw it. I'm going to do it. But even that was, she'd been planned it out. Everything was, you know, calculated and it really is just that, you know, just goes to show you what a brilliant villain that she is. She's smart. Like the cons that they were able to pull off, like you think, you know, what's going to happen, 
like how everybody shows up at, at the Baroness's party dressed as Cruella and the Baroness thinks she's dead. Right. No, this like is everything. Evil creative yeah. genius. Yes. Such a genius. But yeah, this this movie was super fun. I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. It is, it's just a must see. Like my kids loved it. I loved it. It's like a, just an immediate classic. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. Do yourself a solid watch this movie, but yeah, it's going to be an award season. Like you better oh, believe costume design for costume design. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I wouldn't be surprised if Emma Stone, if she gets nominated, because when there's movies like that and they get a lot of FaceTime and those close-ups, like when she's talking to her mother, her dead mother or surrogate mother mm-hmm. at the fountain. And like, you know, she has all that mascara coming down her face. You're just very, you're moved in that moment. Mm-hmm. You don't see Emma Stone. You just see this little girl who had to grow up too quickly and never was able to like resolve her feelings. And she's come to terms with it. It's just, it just moves you. So she's, I, if she's not nominated, then somebody's not doing their job, but she did an amazing job in this movie. Even young Cruella had a great monologue spot. So, I mean, costume design is definitely going to get nominated for sure. Yeah. Okay. So the twist in this movie here is, this is the tea that you guys, that we're going to talk about right now. This is some serious tea. So Estella grows up with a single mom. Her mom dies when she's eight. She falls off a cliff. She grows up as an orphan, gets a job at this fashion house, the Baroness. We find out that the Baroness is actually her mother and gave her away as a baby. And the woman who raised her was like a maid in her house and then was like this very kind woman and raised her. And John, the valet, made sure that she was okay and like raised by a person that wasn't crazy and then reveals the secret to Estella. And like, not one time did I think that the Baroness was her mother. Did not put that together. That twist was like, it just slapped me right in the face. It's like, what? You know, because the whole time you're like, don't, don't succumb to being Corella. You're Estella. You're raised with just such a wonderful mother. And, you know, this is like a nature versus nurture thing where she's struggling with like, okay, I was nurtured by this one woman, so I can be good. I do have a good side, like the white side of her hair. You know, she's like, I can right. be good. But then the black side of her hair, you know, the evil side, like, okay, but I was, this is inside of me. I was born this way. And it's like the two sides are kind of fighting, but like, did you see that coming? Not one no, time. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. That was, I mean, that was a really good twist. And Emma Thompson nails also playing this psychotic woman. Oh my gosh. Yes. And then you see where Cruella gets it from mm-hmm. and the world makes sense right after you're like, Oh, you're both crazy. Okay. Yeah. And it explains everything that we know and, you know, loved or hated about Cruella in 101 Dalmatians. You're like, oh, this is this genetic. Yeah, this is totally genetic. The world makes sense. This is why Cruella doesn't have a sibling, because the world can only handle one Cruella, let alone a Baroness. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I mean, who knows? That, that could have been the first child that's she gave sequel. away. Yeah. yeah, that's the sequel. Um, okay. How about that scene where 
it's like the white party or whatever, the black and white party. Mm-hmm. And then Corella shows up, lights her dress on fire, and it turns red. Yes. That scene was just so killer. Like, way to make an entrance. Yeah, no, there's no topping that. I mean, she did the garbage truck thing and that whole thing, but lighting your dress on fire and it turns red, like, oh my gosh, way to stick it to somebody. Right, that's that's some solid special effects too. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's why, you know, the Descendants thing was so popular because it's like, it's fun to be bad type of thing. But oh yeah. Like Disney bad, not like, you know, serial killer <laughs> bad. It's like, I light my dress on fire and it turns red bad. That's yeah. like my level of bad. This week's spotlight of the week goes out to the 8-Bit Jazz Heroes. The 8-Bit Jazz Heroes are one part classic jazz trio, one part video game Nirvana, kind of like if Miles Davis spent more time playing Super Nintendo. The 8-Bit Jazz Heroes take classic video game themes and transform them into vintage 60s cool jazz. They play in venues all over Southern California and were named Best Jazz Band in Orange County by the OC Weekly. Do yourself a solid and follow them on Instagram and Facebook at 8-Bit Jazz Heroes. Yeah, I when I was like, writing my outline for the show I was listening to their music in the background and it is such a delight to listen to it's like smooth and fun like I want to cook to this music or write to this music I think there's just like a handful of songs on Spotify and I guess I listened to them over and over and over again and didn't even really realize it because you hear different things every time you listen to it again I'm like oh that's familiar is that the Mario Brothers theme and then you kind of go back to what you're doing and you're just kind of like jamming along but they're such a fun band like I want to see them live I think it's like the perfect Sunday music to walk around Barnes and Nobles to oh yes right friend Mm -hmm. like in the game section though the sound is so classic and it's it's subtle these like you know very familiar melodies but their music like putting the two together you could play it anywhere like a speakeasy bar or whatever i could have my mom listen to it and she might not notice that there's like video game themes or anything she's just like oh yeah me and rick were just cooking to this music it's so jazzy like she would just love it because you know she wouldn't even know because she doesn't know any of that stuff but you know i love them i'm a huge fan i can't wait to see them live so you guys go to their website to check them out so it's the number eight and then bit b-i-t jazzheroes.com and you guys will not be sorry their logo is the little coin from super mario brothers it's the eight bit coin so cute so cute good thing clever clever thank you so much for joining us today please be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear all of our latest episodes we want to answer your burning questions, so give us a follow on Instagram at the Fangirls Podcast and Twitter at the underscore fan underscore girls and like our community page on Facebook to join the conversation. See you, See next, you next time. time. <laughs>
Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.